You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. Good morning and welcome to church. Welcome to your father's house. We will be taking our text this morning from John chapter 6. It's an account that I believe many of us are very familiar with. And we want to hear what the Spirit of the Lord would have us glean from this account, this season that we are in, as a people, as individuals, as a church. So we'll be taking a reading from John chapter 6, and we'll read from verse 1 to 14. If you're there, please come, let's read together. I read. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were deceased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a legion. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Let's bow heads as we talk to the Lord in prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity that we have to be gathered together as brothers and sisters, as a family, to praise you, to worship you, and to sit at your feet, to receive your word. As we look into your word of life, we confess that by this word, the heavens and the earth were created. We are praying that this word will do something in us that will have eternal significance. Let it illuminate. Let it enlighten. Let it bring faith. Is there someone trusting you for an intervention? Let this word touch. Let it deliver. Let it transform, O Lord. Let it save, O Lord. Let it empower, O Lord. So that at the end, we can come to the testimony that we have met with our maker. We have met with Jesus. The Holy Spirit has had his work. Help the teacher, help the hearers. Thank you, our Father. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Praise the Lord. 
Okay, we have an account that is very, very popular, the feeding of the multitude, you know, by our Lord Jesus Christ. And as an introduction, I want to make a statement from the previous weeks we had been looking at Gideon in Judges chapter 6, 7, and 8. And on Wednesday, where we concluded, you know, in that study, is that our relationship or what God does with you and I as a Christian has nothing to do with our strength or our weakness. It has nothing to do with ability. Why is that very important to establish? Because when you establish that, then you know that God can use you. Praise the Lord. You might not be as good in certain things. You might not be as gifted in certain things. You might not be as opportune in diverse areas. But because God is the one we are dealing with, he is omnipotent. And because he's omnipotent, he does not need strength. Praise the Lord. He is sufficient in strength. He's omniscience. Because he's omniscience, he does not need your knowledge. He does not need your wisdom. God is all sufficient. So what's he looking for? He's looking for yieldedness. He's looking for people who say, here I am, Lord, do what? Use me. He's looking for people who say, I am available to you. And we sought the scriptures. We looked into the scriptures. We saw that God has problems never with the weakness of people. Moses said, I'm a stammerer. Did he stop God from using him? Jeremiah said, I'm a youth. I'm a lad. Did he stop God from using him? Amos said, I just want to continue my farming business. Did he stop God from using him? None of those things stop God. Why? Because the Bible makes us understand that his strength is made perfect where? Even in our weaknesses. Paul was in the opposite direction as Saul of Tarsus, persecuting the church. But the moment he said, who are you, Lord, and surrendered to him, he started on a journey to become one of the greatest of the apostles. God can use anybody. God can bring change through anybody. Say, Lord, here I am, use me. Yes, we established that. And following up on that, we must, as Christians, every moment remind ourselves that the God we have come to have this relationship with is almighty. He's almighty. Every day you say to yourself, my God is almighty. You know why we have to say that? Because experiences from yourself, experiences from around you will continue to throw up weaknesses, will continue to throw up reasons why things won't work. But when you remember that God is almighty, the Bible reminds us, Hebrews eleven six. 6, it says, he that comes to God must what? Must believe that he is, that he is, that he is. The fact that a device is malfunctioning does not eliminate the existence of a maker. Rather, it indicates a need to be reconciled with his maker. Praise the Lord. So the fact that issues or challenges or problems arise in life does not mean there is no God. Rather, it means there is a need for God. You must establish that. So that's why the Bible says in the book of Jesus, it says anyone suffering, they didn't say Ewuchimo uh, uh, um, or um, Otio. Is anyone suffering? Let him do what? Let him pray. What is prayer? Prayer is connection with your maker. That's what you must establish. A device is not functioning. It's simply indicative that that device needs its maker. A car breaks down 
and it's not moving, that car has not gotten back to its manufacturer. No matter how terrible that vehicle is, if it gets back to the original manufacturer, it will come out as new. It's something you and I must establish. So, because what happens is as we join in life, we meet obstacles, and then these obstacles are trying to speak a different language to us, that God is no longer there. No, God is the maker. And if there are problems, just like your manual, it says uh, troubleshooting. Isn't that what it does? You go to the back and you troubleshoot. Or even your phone. There are sometimes you have issues with your phone. And the only thing that can resolve that problem, factory settings. Thank you. You know why? The way the factory gave the phone to you, your hand has spoiled it so much that the thing is going cold. But when you allow the phone to get back to factory settings, it begins to behave well. Tell somebody you need factory reset. <laughs> That's what Nigeria needs. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We need factory. We need to get back to the way God was. So its problems are indications of distance from the maker. When you get closer to the maker, you begin to see that things are being solved. Praise the Lord. That's why you see a car used in Germany, a Mercedes car used in Germany. 20 years, the car is still looking like mint. You bring the same car to Nigeria and use the same car for four years or three years. The difference is seven up because Nigeria is very far from Germany. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And even the German trained mechanics in Nigeria, on the journey, they picked up Tanzania and uh, Ghanaian skills. <laughs> You understand? So you establish that. Why? Because challenges, troubles, you know, difficulties, obstacles, as long as we're on this side of eternity, will remain. Praise the Lord. So as we go into our text, we'll have that as a background. And the Bible says in verse 5, Jesus lifted up his eyes and seen a great multitude coming toward him. He said to Philip, he said, Philip, where shall we buy bread that these multitude may eat. Where shall we buy bread? I'm adding this multitude because it's so easy to judge the people in the scriptures forgetting that they were doing their best. How many of us are doing our best? How many of us know that we're doing our best? Okay, some are not raising their hands so you can do better. Praise the Lord. I thank God for you so you do better. But you see, when you look at somebody, you must appreciate that he's rational so these people are disciples of jesus that known that jesus is some extraordinary one come from god so jesus says to them where shall we buy bread that what these may eat now if you knew that jesus were the son of god like most of them already knew immediately you should say to him master why should we buy bread you are the maker praise the lord you are the one who sent Moses. Moses fed the multitude even without buying bread. But you see, it's so easy to say that when you're not seeing the problems. The Bible had told us in the previous verse, verse 2, it says, a great multitude. So Philip, looking at the great multitude, was overwhelmed with the reality of the problems. Let me say reality. Isn't that what scares most of us most times? When somebody's talking and talking, at, but he said, but the reality. You see, reality is one excuse that we used to go into unbelief. But the Bible says that by the word of God, we understand that the things which we see were created from the things which are not seen. So reality came from somewhere. Praise the Lord. Hebrews 11, 
chapter 1. It says, we understand that the worlds which we see, we are created from what? The things which are not seen. Very important to establish that. So don't be intimidated by what is reality. Because before there was a reality, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There was nothing existing. It was the word of God that brought forth every circumstance and situation. Praise God. So the same word is able to change. Anyway, Philip looked at what was before him. And the first thing he responded with was, how possible is it? He said, 200 dinari. He was trying to give an impression to Jesus that this is a no-go area. 200 dinari represented 200 days wages for probably the 12 of them, plus maybe minus Jesus. So he was saying, if we went to work to earn money to solve this problem, listen, after 200 days, we wouldn't have earned enough money to buy them bread, by which time they would have been dead. So Philip gave this reaction. And this morning, as Nigerians, as people living in this world, you must examine your reaction. And Philip, was he wrong? He wasn't wrong, but he was a bit short-circuited. He was missing something. Because the same passage tells us that Jesus said this to test him. Let me ask us a question. What if the situation Nigeria is going through is a test for your Christian faith? What if it's a test? Testing what you say, testing what you do, testing how you behave. What, is, what if it's a test? What if God is just looking? Let's see how they'll respond under this environment. Let's hear what they will say. What if it's a test? Do you know that God brought out the children of Israel the moment they crossed the Red Sea and Miriam brought out her tambourine and they sang and sang and sang? From heaven, God decided, let's test them. And for three days they went, there was no water. Finally, they found water. It was bitter. And the Bible says God was testing them. Who knows whether we are in a test? May you pass this test in Jesus' name. I say, may we pass this test in Jesus' name. Now, now, if it's a test, it means there is a control. Praise the Lord. It means there is a control. It means that, you see, God has a way out. And what you need to do also, if it's a test, is to follow what he has said. That's why the lecturer has tested us, isn't it? To know whether we will do what they have taught us. Anyway, so this problem was introduced. And in other records of this particular account, the Bible said one account, the disciples said, let's send the multitude away. Let's deny that there is a problem. If we send them away, have they eaten? We're told that they had gone three days. Okay, that's a different account. But this particular account, we don't know how long. But they were wary. Sending them away, does it solve the problem? You know what it does? Sending them away removes the problem from being in front of you. It's like the ostrich burying his head in the sand. Now, many people respond to problems like that. Just pretend it doesn't exist. Or better still, run away. How many of us are relocating? I was reminded of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was in the king's court with a high position. And he heard that his native land was having problems. What did the Bible say? He said his heart became sorrowful. And he prayed to the Lord. And he asked for permission to go back. Now, the truth is this. I don't blame you if you're wanting to run away. Praise the Lord. But when you're planning to run away, it doesn't solve the problem. You understand? The people said anyway, let's send the multitude away. Let them go. But the account says it was also late. 
So that was not also the problem. What was the solution here? The solution was that this multitude who had followed Jesus had to be fed. They had to be fed. A difficult situation, I agree. Impossible situation, I disagree. Why? Because the Bible is very clear. For with God, what? Difficult situation, yes. <laughs> Impossible, no. Everybody who is a Christian must have it on record and remind himself that with God, nothing shall be impossible. With God, all things are what? Possible, yes. All things. If you're not a Christian, yes, you may have to run away or faint before things that are difficult. In fact, the Bible tells you and I that if we faint in the day of adversity, our strength is small. That's what the Bible tells us. It didn't say if we faint when it's in, advers in, in adversity, it's understandable. No. It says if we faint in the day of adversity, our strength is small. Because our strength was designed to last, to overcome and remain standing. The Bible says, having done all to do what? To stand. So difficult situation, yes. Let's see how this problem was solved quickly. So Jesus, who already knew what he would do, let's see what he was going to do. When Philip gave the response, our Lord Jesus did not respond to that statement. But verse 8 says something then. It says one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? What are they among so many? The moment Jesus heard this note, he said to them, Make the people sit down. He didn't also respond to that statement in the other accounts the bible says he took the five loaves from them this is really where we want to learn our lesson this morning the lord said to tell us individually as a nation that all he needs to solve the problems of our time of our nation is a sample let me tell you what a sample is a sample is a small amount or little part of something used as an example to indicate the features of the whole that is wanted. They needed loaves to fill a multitude, but they got loaves to fill a lad. And Jesus said, with this one that I have, let everybody sit down. Praise the Lord. Recently or two years ago, the Lord asked me a question. He said, if Nigeria was put to be governed the way you govern your affairs personally, will you prosper? In the sense of justice, discipline, you know, there's a lot of noise about the cars of the National Assembly people. But, you know, in your office where you're MD, what's the difference between what you earn and what the other person who probably has more children than you are earning? Now, I'm not proposing communism. Praise the Lord. But you see, it was just a question. If employment is done in the whole of Nigeria, the way you do in the area where you have, you know, mastery, we will say there won't be nepotism. Jesus said, five loaves and two fish. You found it. He said, we have found bread. Why? Because God is able to take that sample and do what? Multiply it. But where there is no sample, where there is nothing to hold, what can he do? 
The Bible gives us the record of the prophet of God and the widow. Who came to the prophet of God and said, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And the creditors have come to take his sons. And the prophet said to the woman, He said, I can help you, but what do you have? I need something from that same man. I need a sample. The woman initially said nothing. And I want to believe that if the full details of that conversation was given to us, the prophet would have said also, there's nothing I can do. But she said, but a little gel of oil. Then the man said, let's work with that. And what was the miracle? The miracle was that little gel of oil you have, what do we do? Let's multiply it. Sars and Mars, if they took your very neighbor and multiplied you over Nigeria, how would Nigeria be? Okay, let's not use your neighbor. Let's use your landlord. That will not fix the roof and yet increase rent. How many have landlords like that? If they took, are you getting what I'm saying? He said, I need a sample. They presented five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, this is enough. Who can we give? Who can we present? Is there somebody here that the father's church can say, please, Nigeria, take this man. We have examined him. If you multiply him over Nigeria, this nation will be transformed. Where you can't even pay ordinary tithe. You're arguing with God. Are you the one who blessed me or am I the one? Where is the sample? Ordinary discipline. The Bible says, he that is faithful in least shall also be faithful in much. It's a principle. It's a multiplier. People have said the nation or the people deserve the leaders they get. I pray that that statement will be wrong concerning us. In the name of Jesus. But the mechanics that cheat on the car owners, are they presidential? The people who sell banana and plantain that use kabai to ripen it, are they presidential? The people who use paracetamol, I don't know if you've read that, to cook meat so that it cooks quickly, it, it becomes uh, soft, quick. You see, it, and if you take a sample and multiply it, what are we going to get? What are we going to get? You're employed to work in an office, they pay you salary, but you don't give your due in that office. You can't wait to go and open your boot and sell Ankara. That's the only time you smile. When you're seated as front desk officer, you're frowning. Because what, whoever, whatever happens, you earn your salary. But when you're selling Ankara, you say, this one not correct. Meanwhile, they employed you to be cheerful and receive customers. The spirit of God said, what they gave me was, I knew there was a sample. And if I can get the sample, I will multiply. Remember, God has led man to have dominion over the earth. And whatever he's going to do must be in partnership with man. That lad that brought the five loaves was the miracle in that place. This morning, as we meditate and, you know, reflect on our nation, I want us to say, to ask ourselves, if my life, my affairs were you know, blown up and multiplied over every unit of this nation. Can this nation really be transformed? Or would it be transformed? Would that happen? Jesus said, the five loaves and two feet, he said, it's enough. It's enough. That's why he made a statement to the disciples. He said, it's not the quantity of faith that I'm concerned about, it's the quality. He said, if you have faith, as little what? As the mustard said. Because from above, what they deal with is samples. Is samples. That's why you should not be bothered about numbers. 
Be bothered about quality. Because your God is a multiplier. He said be fruitful and what? Multiply. When you're fruitful, you replenish, you reproduce and multiply the same thing. And that's where the danger of the Christian faith is now. Because, you see, there's so much excitement about the numbers that are going to churches. But ask yourself, what numbers are they multiplying? If you multiply canal Christianity by canal Christianity into billions, what are you going to get? Billions of canal Christians. And you know what? The canal Christian cannot accomplish the purpose of God. They might feel good. They might have church. They might have a semblance of church. They might build big structures, bigger than this and all of that. But they can never bring down the kingdom of God. And that's why we as a nation, if you go everywhere now, there are some places there are traffics, hold up, the road is jammed because people are going to church. But on Monday, you will go to five ministries and you will not experience somebody that you say, you are a believer. Something is different about you. Because what is happening is a multiplication of what is not. What cannot solve problems. So heaven is saying from that miracle, he said, I just needed something that I can work with. Sometimes he uses a man. In the case of the widow, he used the oil, the little oil. That oil kept multiplying. God said, keep on. That's what I said from the beginning. Multiply, multiply, multiply. And for us as a nation, that's why we have to be careful. You and I must be extremely careful. We are the ones they are waiting for. Because if you and I that know this cannot say to ourselves, he said, the church, that's why we try to do some things here. We may not be perfect, but we try to do some things. Some of the lowest people here are the highest paid in all industries. He said, can I say to Nigeria, be the way you run the father's church. That's why we don't harass you about money. We inform some of the things you do so that if the spirit of God blows and say, let the spirit that is operating in this church operate over the ministries. We can be sure that everybody, most of the people who work here, I don't know where they come from. I just know they're born again. I don't know their tribe. I don't know. But in some places, if you don't speak the man's vernacular, with the correct intonation, not, you know, if they say, ah, oh, if you don't get it, ah, oh, you can't be close to him because you will be a foreigner. He can't trust you. Can you even trust yourself? Say, no, I just want to work with people I can trust. Who can you trust? Even yourself will disappoint you. Praise the Lord. Ask the person who is looking for his villagers to trust. In your village, don't they fight wars? The war in your village is not between the same people. So why do you think that when you now get your townsman, you have loyalty? It's deception. Anyway, so the Lord said, it's a sample. The five laws and two things. He said, that's what I need. Give me a sample. Somebody say, Lord, help me. To be a sample. And this sample, we're not looking to it from the world. We're not looking to it from the world. Because you see, it's God that will make this thing. Uh, the Bible says, it is he that walks in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We are to be his samples. No matter what is happening in our world, people should be able to say, oh, if so, so, and so, we are the minister. Oh, if so, so, and so, we are the head of this parasite. If so, so, oh, we wish he were the head. That's what should be said about the Christian. That's the kind of testimony I want to hear about you. Because that's what will bring the change, sir. That's what will bring the change. If my people who are called by my name shall what? Humble themselves and pray. Hallelujah. 
but also what? Turn from their ways. That implies turning to my own ways. God has his ways. God has his ways. The Christian, you and I are the light of everywhere we find ourselves in. We are the light of our offices. We are the light of our homes. We are the light everywhere we are. As a father, as a wife, as a child, as a brother in that family, you are a sample. And you cannot be praying for God's kingdom to come if you're not giving him your life as a sample. That's why if you're married here and you're praying for God to change your spouse, you better start praying for yourself first. Because God cannot break that man and make him humble with the way your mouth is running. If he multiplies your mouth into the way the man should respond, it will be the tiger. You know those when boxers are practicing, you know the first one. Every time God wants to solve a problem in a marriage, he needs a sample. He needs somebody that can raise. That's why the Bible says the eyes of the Lord does what? It runs to and fro upon the whole earth. What's he doing? He's searching for the one whose heart is what? Lawyer. So he can act through him and for him. That's what it is. Anyway, so here, this is the message for us as a nation. And then he goes on. And the Bible says, when our Lord Jesus, you know, God is, he said, make the people sit down. We've dealt with this sitting down sometime. We won't look at it today because of time. Let's jump to 11. And verse 11 says, our Lord Jesus took the loaves. And what did he do with the loaves? He gave thanks. He gave thanks with the loaves. Brethren, now you begin to look at this scenario again. He has 5,000 men, not counting women. So let's even say 12,000 people to feed. And then he has lunch for one lad. And then he's giving thanks. Is that a natural reaction? What should he be doing at that time? You know, oftentimes what happens to us is that where there is no hope, where people are hopeless, where there is no light at all at the end of the tunnel, people don't even murmur. They keep quiet or do something. Do you know where murmuring comes in? Murmuring comes in where there is half bread. Most times it's where there is something but insufficient. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's where murmuring comes in. And that is very spiritual. You go to somebody, if you have a friend or a relation who never gives you anything. Eh? Who never gives you. If you are in need and you ask him and he doesn't give you, you don't complain. But if you have someone that is always giving you, then you now go to him. Every time you ask him for five times, he gives you five. You ask for 200 times, he gives you. He asks for, ask for his guy, say take. The day you go and ask for 100,000, he gives you 20,000. That's when you murmur. But the one that never gives you, you don't murmur. Do you know why that murmuring is there? Because we have an enemy. The Bible says, a man sowed good seed in his field. While he slept, he said what? The enemy came and sowed tears. It's because we have an enemy. You see, the enemy understands that murmuring is a destroyer. Nothing destroys what is like murmuring. Murmuring is spiritual cancer. That's why God said to the children of Israel, he said, as ye have murmured or spoken to him, so I will do to you. You see, it's such a terrible thing. And let me tell you why then it is so much more terrible. Because it is the opposite of what God said you should do. The Bible says in all things, you should do what? Give thanks. For this is the will 
of God for you in Christ Jesus. You know why that is so sad and mad? It is so because we were told in this passage as well. It says, for he himself knew what he would do. When we murmur, we act as if God is in a quagmire. As if God is confused. As if God is trapped. As if God, why did you bring me out and you didn't even know the way to Jide's house? You should have told me you didn't know the way. That's what we say when we murmur. And that's what the exact thing the children of Israel were saying. If you knew you wouldn't bring us to the promised land, you should have left us in Egypt. When we murmur, we're saying God started it and failed. That's what we say. We're saying this is an aborted process. Why did you raise my hopes? But when we give things, we say the very opposite. We call him Alpha and Omega. When you find yourself in a situation and you say, you're saying to him, before you started, you had finished. Last Sunday we said, you are the Lord and what? You know what to do. Always. The Bible says Jesus knew what he would do. What did he know he would do? He knew he would get a sample. And he knew he who sent him is always with him. And he knew he could pray. Do you know that, sir? Anybody here who can pray, let me see your hand. Anybody here who has a father in heaven, let me see him. Anybody here who knows that God has done something in his life already. Then whatever it is that is next that you want God to do, can you take a sample of what he has done and lift it up? That's it. That's the way it works, sir. You know, oftentimes I marvel at the way people who are trusting God for the fruit of the womb panic. But you were born. You were a sample of the fruit of the womb. The psalmist said it was you who formed me in my mother's womb. Then the same way you can form something in my own womb. And you begin to thank him. Do you understand what I'm saying? God works with it. You bring a sample. You lift it up to him. And you add thanksgiving. There is no factory like that. China cannot produce that fast. I'm t- nobody can compete with that. You take a sample of what God has done. He has healed you of headache, Abby. Headache, you didn't need to worry too much. But this one has some big name. That they, he said, you are the Lord. That he led me. Healing of headache, is it not healing? You take that up and you begin to bless him. Begin to bless him. Begin to bless him. That's what David did with Goliath. He said, listen, bear, you helped me. Lion, you did what? You helped me. You know, they taught us in English in primary school. They, they say um, past, present, and future. Obi. Obi went to the market. Obi is going. <laughs> and Obi shall what? Shall go. So God helped me then. And God is what? Helping me now. And God will also, it is very simple. Jesus Christ was the same yesterday, the same today, and what? The same forever. He said, I'm the Lord, I change not. Why are you changing your tenses if it's not changing? That's who he is. But when we look at reality like we started, we say, ah, God did it, but this year, I was confessing to them, I think it was two Wednesdays ago, when I became afraid, will I ever drive a brand new car? Some of us are very too young. I remember Santana, 
That's Volkswagen, you know, was 14,000 Naira, 1989 or so. And then when I left school about 1992, Ultima and 504 was about 10,000, you know. And so one was, you know, planning very soon, you buy a new car and buy a new car, you know. All of a sudden, to buy a new car got into hundreds of thousands. 90,000 to buy a car. That's what they used to buy property. Story building in those days. And you sit down and you consider everything. And say this one will never work again. Brethren, is it not for something and 50 million people are using to buy a car today? You see, reality is existing until faith overtakes it. I get it what I'm saying. God is almighty. He can handle it. He can handle it. Anyway, so in our text, we, we see what happened here. He said, let them sit down. He took the sample he had and he gave thanks. And after he gave thanks, the Bible tells us the rest of the miracle. He distributed and they began to eat. Notice that in this account, and just like in every one of them, these people ate and were filled and there was leftover because our God is much, much bigger than we can imagine. The Bible says, unto him who is able to do what? Exceedingly. The problem started with where can we buy for them to eat? At the end of that meeting, you know the question, who can carry the leftover? You will have a testimony, somebody. I say you will have a testimony. In the name of Jesus. Don't allow the enemy to tell you it's so. You see, God is mighty. Many of us have had great expectations and faith for this nation. And I beg you, it's not easy. It's not easy. The alternative, maybe you even stop listening to news. I don't know whether that would be a good advice. But it can become scary when you look at the things that are happening. But I'm also reminded that the faith that you and I have come to hold on to is a faith of people who believe the impossible. The one we say we believe in is the resurrection and the life. So when something is dying, do we quit? I'm asking a question. If we believe in the resurrection, the apostle Paul speaking to the people in, in Acts of the Apostles says that these people, why should you think it incredible that God raises the dead? I want you to ask yourself, why should I think it incredible that God turns around nations? The Bible asks a question. It says, shall a nation be born in one day? Don't you know we can have a testimony? That we wake up in one day and new things are happening everywhere. And it's a chain reaction. In the name of Jesus Christ. So you and I must keep our faith up. Why? Because we don't have a choice. I'm not motivating anybody. The Bible says the just shall live by what? But we don't have a choice. If fear comes in, that fear will pursue you anywhere you're going. To. I was reading something recently and I just, you know, really chuckled as I read it. Very funny. I was reading about a man, you know, whose child was, you know, had said to go, he, he or she, I think it was a she, was going to go into missions in the U.S. And the man was okay with going into missions somewhere in Africa, only to realize that the child's missionary journey was to be in Chicago, Chicago, like they call it. And the man started panicking. Why? Because Africa was safer than Chicago. The number of deaths that are occurring, you know, Chicago... It's more than what is happening in most places in Africa. So the guy became afraid. So I said, oh, the thing touched on her too. For that alone, I was happy. I said, so this thing is universal. The man said, when the child, when the daughter said it was Chicago, he said his faith was tried. But he just went to prayer. 
And he said for the life or for the period she did that missionary work, God preserved her, gave her favor, gave her influence, and gave her result. And the thing you and I must understand is that wherever the child of God finds himself in, what you must know is that God sees where you are. God knows where you are. God is not saying it is impossible for me to preserve you. He has not said that. In fact, when that time will come, will be after the rapture. A time is going to come where there is no guarantee. But as long as the rapture hasn't taken place, the Spirit of God is still with us. The Bible says there is one who is restraining. The Holy Spirit is restraining evil. So the enemy wants to do more, but he's being restrained for the sake of the elect. The Bible says if that time is not cut short, so when it becomes unbearable, we will go. Somebody say hallelujah. Let that hallelujah mean you're really serious. Praise the Lord. Yes, let it mean worship because this is the real thing about our faith. Our faith, we are people that are on a journey. Let nobody deceive us. This world is not our home. What we are doing here is to get count that we are going to enter into in heaven. Praise the Lord. There's so much talk about, you know, earthly relevance and, you know, heavenly irrelevance. Let me be relevant in heaven, but let me get there. Praise the Lord. I don't want to reach that one. Let me get there. Didn't the psalmist tell us that he would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God? He was a king. He was saying anything in that place is better than anything here. Praise the Lord. So we encourage ourselves in that, that we are going somewhere. As long as we are kept here, we hold on to faith. Because some of this apprehension that we go through is when we project too long in the future. I think it was uh, Pastor Moody that was speaking when, you know, he said it occurred to him that this, this uh, agent that is harassing him, that by the time this man comes, the rapture would have taken place, in which case you wouldn't even see me as tenant in your house. Do you understand? Some of our apprehension is when you're planning, you know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, when I move into my retirement house and this and this will happen. Then you say, ah, but he's on Kaduna Road. Hey, it will, no. <laughs> but you see, if you're planning that soon and very soon, we are going to see the Lord soon. And, when you're planning that, I'm telling you, no matter whether you're living in former Rwanda or whether you're in the middle of some, it won't matter to you. Didn't the apostle Paul say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain? You know, our Lord Jesus made some statements that we don't like. He said the scriptures cannot be broken. We must put the whole scripture together. In as much as we want to live a good life and enjoy life, the Christian must every night you close your eyes, be ready to open your eyes in heaven. Every day you leave your house, be ready that from that journey you will go to the airport and go to heaven. You must be ready. That's what we are told. The Lord that we say we love, you know, hallelujah. You know, words are cheap. The way some of us love Jesus, eh? The way we love Jesus. How many of us love the Lord? The way we love him, we should actually come to church and just float and go. But if we are floating, you say, no, 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 not my portion, not my time. But we have example. Enoch was so in love with God. He walked with God, walked with God, looked at all the earth. He said, Baba, let's go together. Let me accompany you back. And the Bible says he was not. Why? God took him. That should be a desire. With that mindedness, I'm telling you, you can never be depressed. But when you're looking at mountains and, you know, owning cities and owning all kinds of things there, to what purpose? When Philip said, 
200 denarii because it's a response that the normal man has that money will solve a problem. And you know, the Bible says somewhere money answered all things. But if you remember, whatever you read in Ecclesiastes, you have to be very careful because Ecclesiastes is a report, is like a journal of what is happening. You see, from the outside in everybody's life, you presume money answered all things. You're looking at somebody who is having running stomach now that is dressed in nice suit with gold jewelry. You know, blinking, everything is shining. But there is running stomach inside of you. Will you see it? You just hey, this guy is cool. This baby is cool. You see, money has read all things. was not by divine revelation. Because you and I, will, if you have had money, you know that sometimes money can't help you sleep. Money won't, you even want to buy something, you're so confused. Because you can buy seven different ones. You spend the next one month deciding which of the seven to buy. But when you don't have money, you can only afford that one. <laughs> you cannot, this one is not choice now. It's afford. But the other one is choice. So money has read all things. It was written by somebody who could see from outside. Thank God for, is it Telemundo people that did the rich also cry? Money does not. It appears to, from the outside, you will think everybody that has money has all his problems. So, but no. I pray you will have money so you know what I'm saying. Because those who don't have money are saying, Pastor, just leave that thing you're saying. Just leave that thing. Pastor, leave that thing. Give me the money, Joe. <laughs> you will have money in the name of Jesus. But money doesn't answer all things. Money can't help you sleep. No, it can't. In fact, money, <laughs> let's leave it so that you can have the money. <laughs> <laughs> but Philip said 200 dinara. He was looking for monetary solution. If they got the money before they went to buy the bread, the people will starve. The Bible says the excellence of wisdom is that it gives life. What we need is life. Praise the Lord. There was a time money was not spent. There was a time you could own land without certificate of occupancy. It's crime that is bringing need for certificate. Before you just say from that mango tree to that okwa tree is my own. And everybody knows. Praise the Lord. As people of faith must know we are different. So we check how we have to be careful the way we get ourselves entangled in the issues of this life. Because sometimes we'll be bringing on ourselves anxieties and worries that we are not graced for. There is a grace we have now. Let me tell you the grace we have now. The grace we have now as believers in Nigeria should be concerned for souls. Why is that important? It's important because the things that are happening in Nigeria, there's a direct attack on Christianity. You notice in Kaduna, all the kidnaps are pastors and pastors and pastors. Is it by design or is it by accident? I don't know. But all that message is sending is these people that are preaching to you. They can't even protect themselves. And if somebody now wants to be a genuine, real Christian in the service of this nation, he will also not be that prosperous. And then his relatives will say to you, I don't want to follow your God because you're not bringing any return. I read an account. I don't know whether how true it was, but I think there was some, you know, politician in somewhere in the Southwest, you know, who was saying that his first tenure in the house, I don't know which of them. He said the first thing that happened after he got into the house was that the mother invited him for, for their church Thanksgiving. And he supported the building project with 25,000. He said the mother stopped talking to him. He said the youths, you know, organized a program and did something. And when he came, after giving the speech, he made a, you know, a support of 10,000 for their program. He said the youths started, you know, booing him. Another thing happened. He said all his friends, after some time, he was wondering. But all his other politi 
colleagues were becoming more popular. And he now wondered, but when he went to the house, he said he was the only one standing and defending the things for the people. Where there was a vote, you know, either for things that will benefit the people or not, he will vote for the ones that will benefit the people. Where there's a project, he'll make sure it's done well. So he said after his first tenure, he was hated by family, by friends, by associates. And he was not wondering. Then he now realized that he was giving the people what they didn't want. That what they wanted him was to go to the house, steal, vote against them, choose against them, and then come and be dashing them hundreds of naira you know, and be spraying money on the street. So he said he changed and he went and now he's very popular. You see what is happening? So we live in a time where good is so difficult. And that should be a concern to us. Because it means people will be born and grow up. And they can look up to nobody. A nation where we, we, don't have, we don't have heroes. We don't have people we can point out to. And say, I want to be like this person. I want to be like this person. You know what that says to a generation? People don't have you know, anybody to look up to. If you go to church, churches are not helping that much. This money thing, eh, may the Lord deliver us. Do you understand? But you see, this focus on this world is what is destroying everything. You know, what am I trying to say? We have issues because the overall, the product, the Christian faith is under attack in our time. It's under attack. And we have to pray that the atmosphere will change because whether we like it or not, heaven is there, hell is there. That's it. Anybody that dies is either going to one of the two places and that choice is not made after. It's made here. Very important. So we look at the, the imaginary people that were found, you know, in Cardinal. And you look at those people. You wonder the hundreds of thousands and millions of people that are born into such environment. How will the gospel penetrate them? That's why we need liberation as a nation. So that the gospel can reach everywhere. That's our concern. Not for our comfort. The apostle Paul, who is an example to every one of us, says, I've learned how to what? abound and to abase. Maybe one of these seasons, we're going to practice abasing. So everybody in this church, no matter the car you have, will come with either or kada or keke. And then we'll come with, so that you can plan yourself in case the Lord will so. How many will, or you're among those for better, for better. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but this is reality. Isn't that what he said? Okay, how many of us have quoted, I can do all things? So you can only fly first class. You can only eat at the Hilton. Eh? All things are only when it's going higher. I'm going higher, but going lower. No, 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 no. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, we'll round up. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, and supplications with thanksgiving. Child of God, whatever it is, personal, family, national, thanksgiving is not optional. It's not optional. And please, it's not also psychological. I'm not here to you know, talk so that you just feel like, no, why we have to Bring everything we are bringing. Our worries with thanksgiving is this. Very important. If it's a worry and you don't have thanksgiving, then you stand in unbelief. The Lord showed me something. Martha, 
when he went to complain to Jesus about Mary. Martha said to Jesus, he said, Master, carest not thou that my sister, that I'm busy cooking and doing not. And my sister is, what does that mean? Irresponsibility. Anytime we approach God, we take carest not thou. We lose. Because we lie. We accuse him. So, I can cry. I can say, oh Lord, but when I finish, we learn from David. You see David, he'll begin a psalm. He said, I don't know what is going on. But before he finish, he said, Lord, there is none like you. I will forever praise you. You are beautiful. What does he say? He's saying, don't mind my, yeah, yeah. Just uh, please, uh, let's rise on our feet, somebody. With thanksgiving, sir. With thanksgiving. Let them not be able to say this one is ungrateful. No, it will not be put against me. Yes, this pain is much. But Father, I just want to say thank you. You can cry out to him. Lord, I want to marry today, today, today. But don't forget to tell him, Lord, had it not been for your grace, I wouldn't even have lived to this age to be looking for marriage. You know, some people say, Lord, I'm getting old. Who is preserving you to get old? I want you. Whatever the worries you came to church or you have had, whatever the cares, whatever the concerns, I trust you have prayed about them. Today, I want you to put thanksgiving with it. I want you to put thanksgiving. And you can take it a step further like we left. If there are things that are testimonies, mix them with them. If it is in the area of finances, remember when God provided. Remember when he made a way. Remember when he arose on your bed. Remember when he made a separate case for you. Remember when he did for you things that money couldn't buy. So tell the Lord I'm thanking you. Even though I need financial help now. But you healed me a disease that money could not have healed. So Lord I'm thanking you. Somebody needs to add thanksgiving. He said be anxious for nothing. I want you to settle today as you have come to church. That thanksgiving, every request, every situation, everything you've gone through. Lord, I'm crying, but I'm thanking you because I know that you gather my tears in a verse. I know that you hear me when I cry. Some people serve gods that don't hear. Some people worship gods that have no ears. But we serve a God that has ears, that made the ear. We serve a God that made the eyes. He's beholding me. We have a father. We sang the song. What a father I have in you. What a father I have in you. Always available. For the very fact that he's hearing and he's available. Father, today we are saying thank you. As a nation, we may not have seen the change we desire, but we want to say thank you. We want to say thank you. We want to say thank you because look at us gathering as a church. It might be difficult for some, but we're here as a representative and we're saying, Father, we thank you. Lord, we are appreciating you. Things may not be all that we want, but we know that you are more than enough. And you have said to us, we should hold on. We should hold on. Today we come to say thank you. Lord, we don't understand. We don't understand. The pain is much. The frustration is much. But we are saying thank you. Why? Because you know what to do. You are in control. You said, I know how much you can bear. You promised that you will not allow me. You will not allow your children to be tempted beyond what they can bear. I want you to thank the Lord that he He's getting your trials. He's getting your experiences. He will not permit. No, he won't. No, he won't. He won't permit you, man. Yes, I know. I know. 
it's unbearable but he knows how much he said I'm the one who made the sparrows and he said two of them are sold for a farthing but he says not one of them falls to the ground without them taking permission from your heavenly father and he says you are of much more value if on anything tell him Lord I thank you I'm more valuable to you than the sparrows I'm more valuable to you than the birds you feed the beast of the field I am more valuable to you Lord I'm thanking you I'm thanking you because I don't budge into your house you are expecting to hear me you said call upon me and I will answer he said come to me when the world is on my shoulder he said come to me all you that labor that heavy lady Lord this is your invitation for that I'm saying thank you because you are the one inviting me you said to me seek my face Lord today I'm coming I want you to go to God let it be recorded in your account that you brought thanksgiving with understanding with understanding thank him thank him the account says he himself knew what he would do thank him and release him Lord do what you know to do do what you purpose to do Lord I surrender I withdraw myself from the equation be God by yourself be God in my life be God in my family be God in my situation be God in my marriage be God in my body be God in this nation be God in my brethren's life be God I worship you I worship you I worship you you are worthy Lord you are worthy Lord you were responsible father that's what they say you were responsible God you're responsible Savior tell him he's responsible tell him he's responsible tell him you know what you're doing I will trust you the Bible said trust in the Lord with all thy heart Lord I will trust you for you are dependable you are reliable you are wonderful through the 80s you have shown yourself faithful Lord will bless you Lord will give you praise Lord we bless you Lord will give you praise let's thank him let's thank him father will bless you we give you praise we give you praise we give you praise put those hands together and just celebrate him let heaven know that we are people of faith we are believers in God we know our God is creator he's alpha he is omega and he is sovereign I see a triangle he began and he will round it up and in between he reigns and he reigns forever forever and ever and ever give him a shout of praise you've been listening to a message by Pastor Ikena Keke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.com. God bless you.